1: So, maybe you're thinking about making some big changes or setting some ambitious goals for yourself. Maybe you want to lose 20 pounds or read through the Bible. Maybe you want to run a marathon or repair a broken relationship. Whatever your big goal is, the temptation is to expect to go straight from here to here or from here to here. The reality is there are a lot of small steps between big decisions and big results, Challenges and obstacles await. At some point, you might even want to quit. But stand firm. Don't be disappointed with slow progress. Don't be overwhelmed by the destination. Rather, focus on what you can do today. Skip dessert. Read a chapter. Go for a run. Make a phone call. The more difficult the journey, the more rewarding the destination. And it can all start today with just one small step.
2: Hopefully, you got some encouraging words there. And maybe there's something special that applies to you from that video. Dear friends in Christ, Sabith Khan was a professor in Southern California. And two years ago, he also became a student. And he wanted to learn the Arabic language, which was being taught by a a company that was from Egypt. And that class was a one-on-one learning experience, and it was done through Zoom. Early on, Khan had told his teacher that he had struggled in previous attempts to learn that language. The teacher says, we're all students, my friend. Don't worry, I'm here to teach you. You're a very hard-working student, and it's my pleasure to help you. It felt strange to Khan that now he's so vulnerable as a student in need of help. But his teacher really eased his discomfort, complimenting Khan for his efforts and his small progress, and having praise from his teacher's lips really made him surprisingly happy and confident. And that led him to consider that perhaps he had been too stingy when he would be teaching his own students, and at that time probably thought, too, that excessive praise, well, that makes students complacent and even lazy. And he wondered whether he might be a more effective teacher if he learned to be more generous with sincere words of encouragement. So he changed his own teaching methods and approach. He said, every time I grade my own students or evaluate their work critically as I must, my teacher's example comes to mind. And I remember to pause and praise them publicly every so often, even as I offer constructive criticism. He believes that his new teaching practice really makes a better learning environment. Well, for Khan, the power of encouragement was really a new discovery because he was being encouraged himself. But the idea that encouragement is empowering to people who are struggling has really been around for centuries. We saw in that reading from 1 Peter, where the apostle, he speaks encouraging words to Christians about hope, to people who are suffering in their faith. Peter praised his readers, saying, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, in glory, in honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And later, near the end of this letter, Peter also says more about the purpose for his writing. He says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. So stand fast in it. So why can Peter encourage his readers here with these words? Well, you only have to look at the first verses of our reading to get the answer. When he says, in God's great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and also into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. The hope into which these believers are born is linked not to Jesus' suffering, but to his resurrection. This hope of resurrection is really a hope that's directly associated with our new status as being God's children. And into this very hope that we're born into, and because this hope is something that we can look forward to, we see that it's going to never perish, spoil, or fade. It's for eternity for us. We, like Peter's readers, we're living in a time, and we're in the midst of suffering too in various ways. And so we're reminded of that power of God. Many people in the world today, including many in their own churches, we need support, don't we? Life is difficult. And it's easy, really, to get buried under problems that come our way. Sometimes a word of encouragement is all that stands between us and perhaps giving up. It might be breaking down or just really simply living in sadness. There was one pastor, now retired, who is sitting in the pews more than he's standing in the pulpit. And he was surprised at how few sermons of encouragement he had heard. He said there were lots of sermons on love your neighbor, which is, of course, a critically important teaching of our faith. He says, but sometimes we could use a little praise for the sincere attempts we make to actually do that. And not long after that, there was a friend of that pastor who uh, told the pastor that he was driving through Maryland and he had noticed a church that was named the Ministry of Encouragement. That was on their sign. It struck him as a great name for a location where Christ is being shared. And as Nashville Pastor Ray Ortland says, Encouragement is what the gospel feels like as it moves from one believer to another. The New Testament verb for encouraging is parakaleo. And that word also means to comfort, to console, to exhort. And Orland he adds that encouragement, it's about the life-giving power of our shared beliefs and our shared life in the Lord. Also, the noun form of that kaleo, it was used by Jesus himself in John fourteen twenty six. He says, as he connects the Holy Spirit to this, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And in our English Bibles, that word advocate is also translated as helper, companion or comforter. In Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, he tells his Christian readers to encourage one another and build up each other. And we should not miss that one another phrase within that instruction, for it really paints a picture of what the church is. So we're not only to encourage one another and build up each other, we're to love one another, live in harmony with one another, welcome one another, greet one another, have the same care for one another, forgive one another, confess our sins to one another, pray for one another. Do you think God's trying to tell us something? Yeah, we're not alone. We need each other. Well, one place where we can see encouragement in action is when we see children doing something in the church. Perhaps it's a time where they have a specific role in the Christmas service as they do like in our Sunday school. Or perhaps it's singing a solo or duet or playing an instrument. It might be handing out the bulletins to people as they enter a sanctuary. Church adults are often quick to encourage and praise the kids. And it's a great thing to do, isn't it? We seem to sense that the kids benefit from an encouraging word. Well, the fact is, we all do. Adults need it too. And it's an open question about who benefits most from praise. Is it the person being praised? Is it the person who's giving the praise? Or is it an observer, really, who is of seeing that praise there? Well, I can tell you that all three can definitely benefit from that. One pastor tells how an adult church member had nervously agreed to do the liturgy to help out with that service. And that person, they they really didn't enjoy public speaking at all. But after the service, there were a number of good job comments that were given to that person. And the fellow members had really helped him understand that he had an important part, that he had contributed to the worship that morning. Now, he wasn't eager to do it again, but he knew if he was called upon that he wouldn't be embarrassed to do it if asked. There's, of course, the difference between praise and flattery, between positive reinforcement and manipulation. We should be careful about the motives that we have when we praise someone. But generally, encouragement is the right thing to do. It's the Christian thing to do even if we're unsure of what our motives are. So what's the opposite of being an encourager? Well, it's being overly critical, dismissive, even disparaging, among other things. And it's sometimes it helps us change when we realize that that's the thing we're doing. There's a man, I'm going to call him Harold, and he tells of sitting in a restaurant with his grown son, Now, during the boy's teenage years, he had been heavily involved in drugs and with bad company. And it created a lot of stress in the family. A lot of anxiety, obviously, for the parents. And the father and the son, they were both strong-willed during those years. But somehow the son had gotten through his problems. And eventually, as a grown-up, he was really making good contributions to the community. And while Harold and his son were sitting at that restaurant, they noticed an elderly couple who had come in to have lunch at a nearby table. The woman was overweight and appeared to be about 80 years old, but she was dressed like a 20-year-old cowgirl. She had a big red Stetson on, she had a Western outfit and boots, and she had a good bit of glittery jewelry, too. And Harold started to make a rude remark about her appearance to his son, but his son stopped him. And he said, don't, Dad. Life is hard. Maybe what she's wearing is making her feel good. And Dad, we're not perfect either. You know that. Well, the father, he was smart enough to keep his mouth shut. And so realized that his son was really the one who was seeing things clearly at this point. Well, Harold became convinced of that even more as he was going the next day through some devotional material. And he came across reading these words from Romans. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Well, a few days after that, Harold's sitting at the physical therapy office because he's got a small problem with his foot. And while he's there, there's an older woman who enters, and she's moving very slowly with her walker, and she's wincing in obvious pain. And she sat down at a chair near Harold, and after a few moments, the two began to talk. And she asked Harold about what was going on with himself, and he told her about his foot. And then she described how much more debilitating a condition she had, how surgery had not helped much as she hoped. And now she's explaining that she's relying on the therapy, which is really causing her significant pain. And she adds that, I don't know that I can do much more. I really don't know I can take any more of this. Well, at that moment, Harold's therapist came out and was ready to receive him. And so, for some reason, when he got up, he remembered those thoughts of his son's words to him. And he turned back to the woman, and he said, Don't you give up. You can do it. God bless you. Sometimes the encouraging word that we give, it can be a ministry in itself. All by itself. It's one that we can all engage in. You've been given love to cherish people. You've been given hope to encourage others. You've been given faith to believe in others that they can do it. And you've been given wisdom to teach others. So go now as those loving, hopeful, encouraging, believing, and teaching servants of God that you are. Do that and give that out to a world that's waiting to hear Words of encouragement that they so desperately need. Words that reflect the love of Christ who lives in and through you. May that joy of Christ fill you so that you can encourage others and let them know what it means to be in that body of Christ, that family. And for them to have that hope of eternal life, the salvation of our souls in his name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen